0: So you want to watch a movie but you don't know which Choosing the one can be a bitch But Jared and Drew have affected the art So sit back, relax, and trust the dark It's Dartboard Movie Night What's going on everyone? I am Drew And I'm Jared Welcome to Dartboard Movie Night, the movie podcast where we put 20 movies up on a board, throw a dart at it, and let the fates decide
1: how you doing, Jared? Doing real good, Drew. Doing real good. Uh, excited to talk about this movie, what Seven Samurai. Yeah. My first Kurosawa experiment, experience. Experiment um, and experience, I guess. In yeah, some yeah. Guys. A bit of both, actually. Um, but if we want to dive right into it, I guess I should just ask you right off the bat seems kind of like a silly question in a way, but how did it get on the board? You know, seven samurai Kurosawa.
0: This, this one's going to be a short description cause there's not really uh, much more to it other than the fact that it's seven samurai and it's the movie that everyone talks about is like, this is Kurosawa's masterpiece or the one that like, it's just, it's, it's so in just burned into the history of film that mm-hmm. it's impossible to not be aware of it. If you have any, um, any interest in, in film history, I feel like. So it's one that's been on my radar since I was a kid. It's just one that, you know, again, it's like the reason we're doing this show to, to force ourselves to watch things that we're just like, ah, yeah, we'll get to it one day. Mm -hmm. And this is my ultimate, maybe I'll get to it one day. Kind of, kind of movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I did watch a, my first Kurosawa movie was last year, actually, or I guess two years ago now that we're, we're recording in 2022. Um, but summer of 2020 was, you know, a, a time that I've referenced in the past when I had a lot of free time, I was laid off from my job because of the pandemic and I was watching a lot of movies. Um, and one of them that I watched at that point was *Yojimbo*, which, uh, also stars Toshiro Mufune from this movie, who I want to talk about it in at length later. But *Yojimbo* uh, just blew me away. I was like, "This so he, is so, phenomenal." He,
1: So Yojimbo was your first Kurosawa.
0: Correct. And that also is what prompted me to then buy Jared a copy of the Criterion of Yojimbo uh, as just a special gift from one movie lover to another that he has left sitting on, (laughs) rotting on his shelf for six plus months at this point.
1: Literally right to my right. I'm holding it up for the camera so Drew can see still in the shrink wrap. It's now become a shamer just because it's like right here and I have no excuse. But it just shows something about Kurosawa with There's like something intimidating about it where it just gets on that sort of like, I'll get to it sort of thing. I'm going through the exact same thing with Yojimbo right now.
0: hundred percent. I, the reason that Yojimbo was a lot more approachable to me was that it's under two hours. So you, mm-hmm. you can really like just get in, get out and be like, Whoa, that was fucking great. That's a tight yeah. ass little, just, you know, well-constructed action comedy storytelling. It's phenomenal. Mm. Um, so did you
1: did you sorry did you springboard from Yojimbo into additional Kurosawas or was that up until this week was that the only one so far
0: Up until this week that was the only one so far and and that is a little bit of a shame to admit but I'm willing to be honest with the zero audience that we have right now so <laughs> um I watched Yojimbo loved it meant to get to Sanjuro which is the sequel to that and never did um and yeah, that's a lot of the reason why seven samurai was on this list. I was like, you know what, if I'm going to go back to Kurosawa, it just makes sense to put this on the board. Cause it's one I've just kind of like had lingering on my watch list on letterbox forever.
1: Yeah. It's almost like, well, let me ask you this first too. I could look this up easily, but I want to, I want to find out through conversation. Did your Jimbo come out before or after seven Samurai? after? So Yojimbo is like
0: 1962, I believe. Um, mm. But yeah, no, it, it was after this.
1: Cool, yeah. So, so, so you are kind of doing a bit of a sidestep back. Was it black and white as well? Sixty-one, hard to predict. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a silly question, I guess. To another silly question, but to compare them might be dumb. But did you was did one hit you stronger than the other? Like, how did you feel about Seven Samurai? I guess. I should So,
0: ask. I think Yojimbo is the more um, immediate, uh, immediately approachable of the two. Mm -hmm. like i said it's a tighter runtime, uh more kind of getting get out great quick storytelling to the point you know the kind of stuff that we really gravitate towards i feel like a lot of the time um so i think on that level on first watch i probably had a more visceral reaction to yojimbo but in retrospect as i've sat with seven samurai it just it ages like best freaking wine I've ever tasted. Like it's just like every th- as I think about every element of it it just it it sits better with me and makes me love it more. Um so I I mean I think I think that Seven Samurai is probably the greater achievement but I probably had a more fun time watching Yojimbo if that's a fair
1: answer. I think that's fair. I mean I, it makes me more excited to see Yojimbo. I'll get to it. I'll get to it one day. But Uh, well I guess yeah that leads nicely into this like what was your reaction like to it this time so you said it aged really well when you watched it how did you feel as you were going through it the first time Seventh Samurai Uh,
0: I mean I it's long man. It's it's like it's fucking long. It's a marathon. Like this is not <laughs> so a sprint. Long. And there's a reason he built in an intermission into it. And if anyone has gotten to this point that hasn't watched the movie that was maybe intimidated by the runtime, I would say break it up into two viewings. Like The first half is totally like satisfying as a storytelling experience in itself. It doesn't have like a clear resolution, but it's plenty of an experience to justify watching that on its own and then watching
1: the back half on its own. Yeah. I mean, it's setting the table, as they say, but it's it's interesting setting, you know, table setting.
0: Definitely. No, it's great storytelling. It would be like watching like a two part miniseries basically on HBO. Is what i would say because like the first episode would be all set up second episode off payoff kind of thing
1: yeah so did you do two chunks or did you do full-blown
0: through i watched (laughs) i didn't know there was an intermission i watched about an hour of it one night uh and i i started it too late and just was getting so tired i needed to to dip out and I got really frustrated when then I then watched like 40 more minutes and there was an intermission <laughs> yeah. and I was like, well, yeah. fuck, I could have just kept going a little bit more like in that, Like anyway, um, yeah. that's my problem. That's my cross to bear.
1: <laughs> you had a perfectly, they had a moment where they thought you should take a break and we both flouted. I had a really similar reaction too, or a similar experience. I should say where I stopped it like 10 minutes before the intermission, having no idea it was coming. And then the next night I fired it back up and I was like, Oh shit, there was an instant <laughs> intermission right around the bend. I should have been a little bit more patient, I guess. So, so you, you did the two nights as we both did. Yeah. And how did you feel about it when the credit started rolling? But when you hadn't sat with it yet, like what was your first reaction?
0: So, I mean, I think I, I, I loved the first part. I loved the, um, one connection and and, you know this movie is a movie that inspired so many filmmakers and so many movies so you you know you're just picking up references left and right i feel like watching this but i you know i was seeing a lot of oceans 11 in the uh getting the gang together kind of sequences Mm -hmm. early on and was having a lot of fun with that stuff
1: i was thinking the exact same thing the whole getting the gang together thing was totally like oceans Eleven. it's
0: just like little elements like when Kanbei, the the main samurai who is uh, you know the the older guy leading the pack, bald guy, right, the, bald like guy. the
1: general of the group in yep. a
0: way. Kanbei, Kanbe, uh, he's so stoic and and put together. He's he's always like I read this un, unseen smile a little bit on him where he's just kind mm. of like he seems at so at peace that he's just like a chill fun guy, but he's very stoic at the same time. But anyway, that's, that's a weird way of saying this, but I love the scenes when he's testing the samurai by having,
1: uh, having that kid, the young, the youngest of the seven
0: Katsushiro by having him stand with a stick at the door Mm -hmm. and and surprising the samurai to test if they're actually like have the wits, you know, of a real samurai The way that he just erupts into just pure joy when he f- they they reveal that they are a samurai is yes. it's like a little like child like on Christmas morning he's just like oh yes okay good yeah. friend and it's like there, there was just like it was it made me happy just like Did watching it. him smile
1: <laughs> also was like for me just shooting from the hip here top five apologies I've ever heard in film history like it's just like what he just he leaps up and he's so like you said he's so joyous and it's just like I'm sorry, no, no, no disrespect. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to test you, and I'm just watching. It. It's like that's a great apology. It just yeah. seems sincere. He's got energy behind it, and uh, and then that first guy kind of rejects him. The first person he yeah. tests, it's like, oh fuck you, and it bails, and and it's like, man, that, I would have said yes to that apology. That was that was sensational.
0: Yeah, yeah. But then he like recruits his friend uh, Gorobe, uh, or no, no, not Gorobe, Who's the who's the first one that he, he uh, Shichiroji.
1: Uh, who's the yeah ball- he's the guy who who sniffs it out from outside the door frame right um, that's actually yeah. gorabe i believe oh okay okay uh, or no, it is, it is
0: Shichiroji, you know, you're right. You're right. Cause he's the second guy after the one who rejects him. Yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. I get, I get those two confused because Gorobe is also bald and chubby. So it's yeah. like the two of them are a little bit like they look similar, but I, otherwise I felt like this movie did a really good job of differentiating all the characters so that you really yeah. just like they each had a different personality and like a look to them that you just, you immediately knew who everyone was. Oh
1: yeah. Different walks too. Like different gates, different strides, like different ways of moving.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just, I I think all that setup is is so much fun and and it plays like a modern, just like, like all those scenes, just like, I don't know, the banter between the characters just is, is really light and fun and, and just puts you at ease. I think the middle section does kind of bog down a little bit, um, at times just because it's, it's like, I think it takes a while to get to the climactic action stuff. Uh, and there's some really great stuff in the middle too. I mean, like I love the sequence where they um, uh, go raid the bandits huts to kind of pick off a few of the guys before they can attack later. Yeah. And that's where uh Heihachi, one of the other characters dies uh, trying to save uh, uh, Rikishi. It, Rikishi. Is that it? Rikishi I think Rikishi yeah. yeah he when when his wife runs back into the fire at the <laughs> yeah. sight of him that whole sequence is brilliant I think mm. um but yeah I, I like it definitely like I I started to feel the length a little bit in the middle but then you get to that bat that back action sequence and for me it's just so well constructed and put together and it's it's just it's perfect and you see all the influences that this movie has inspired. Uh, all the movies that it's inspired and and it's it's just it's really it's fun. I had a, I had a mm. great time with it. Mm. What was your reaction to it on first viewing?
1: So it's so complicated. I have such such mixed emotions about this movie. It's unbelievable. So I have never seen a Kurosawa movie and kind of like you I have always known of it. Seven Samurai is a movie I've been hearing about since I've got interested in movies. And it's just considered just an all timer classic. And I haven't actively avoided it. It's just one of those things. Somehow I never, never have seen it. And I always hear other when other filmmakers are just kind of rattling off, like, say, a casual Mount Rushmore of great directors, is always on it. You know, I remember Gary Oldman, the actor, talking about like, just the pressure of making movies. And he was just, This he's just speaking anecdotally. But like every time you're in a theater projecting a movie for an audience, you're, you know, you're in there with Kurosawa, you're in there with Scorsese, and he's just, you know, That's, listing people. But Kurosawa is always on that list. Yep. Yeah. So I've, I I went to this movie with very high expectations because it's, it's I saw that it was considered his masterpiece by many. And I I just didn't really know what to expect, but I thought it was going to be really impactful. And on first viewing, I just really, really struggled with it. I thought it was kind of cheesy in a lot of places. I thought the acting was showing its age. I thought it was kind of, uh, there were a lot of scenes that seemed really tedious and dull. And I was like, I'm, I'm working through it. It's like, I'm not... I'm not enjoying this movie. And it, it started to feel like work a little bit when I was about 45 minutes to an hour to the movie. It felt like a homework assignment. And I feel like I was having a reaction that I'm always cautious of with older movies because we, you and I talk about a lot about how our generation can have a kind of a, somewhat of an aversion to older movies and think they're going to be like what my experience first time through with Seven Samurai was, which we think seeing a movie like citizen Kane or the original King Kong or whatever it is, or even in a lonely place is going to like, we will, we'll go pay homage to what led to what we have today, but it's going to feel like homework. And then I'm all almost always delightfully surprised at how wrong I am and how they're just great movies. So this one, I was just like, I'm not having that good reaction. Like this feels like an old movie. Um, I, I'm I'm bored. It feels kind of stagnant. And there were there were scenes that I really loved, and there were great sequences that, that I thought even on that first view I really liked. So I had I had my opinion locked down. And I was like I didn't like it. I, I I I'm curious to talk with Drew about this. Thinking obviously before this conversation because we've never had. I'm, I'm, my guess is that you were going to like it. And I was like, we haven't really you disagreed You knew I was going to like it. Come on. It's obvious. I, I Anyone a, who's I mean,
0: listened to three episodes of this show knows that I'm going
1: to love this fucking movie. That's true. Because it is so visual. <laughs> and we'll get to my take on the whole visual thing. So I had my opinion stamped in. Didn't didn't like it. I was going to mention a couple of scenes that I liked, but just say uh, how much I disliked the rest of it. So then before we hop on tonight, and like you, like I said, I watched it over two nights. Um, but it was a couple nights ago. So it's like, I owe it to the movie to just zing through it again. Cause it's so, it's such a big movie. I wanted to touch, check back in with some of the early scenes. Cause I wasn't really taking notes. It's really hard to take I, notes when you're watching a subtitle movie. Just I, a I've
0: almost do. gotten to the point where my first viewing of any of these, I have to have it be no notes just because I, it, it pulls me out because I'm starting to think, I, I realize I think it was while I was doing ET. Um, I realized that I was, uh, trying to think of like notes to take on it. Like, and I was like, yeah. wait, this is not why this is here. Like yeah. this is supposed to be a gut reaction and I'm trying to force reactions here. I need to just
1: watch this. Yeah. Yeah. I like having my little notebook there, but you're right. I don't, I try not to force notes. If there's nothing that's grabbing me, I leave it alone. And this was, I had written maybe three or four sentences down sp- sprayed all on the page, but I was, it really was like, again, my opinion was set. So I'm breezing through my speed, like fast forward rewatch, just touching back in with the scenes that I liked. And somehow I missed almost completely on the first viewing, how amazing and beautiful the shots are in this movie. I think it was because I was focused so much on the dialogue and reading the subtitles that I wasn't really noticing and, 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 you know, following the story I wasn't really noticing how great the shots were. And when I was just fast forwarding through it, I was like, Oh my God, but this I think is it's, one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen.
0: I think what it, it's, it's even more than that though. It's like, it, they're beautiful frames, obviously like you can, mm-hmm. you can put any of these on a wall and it would look great. But yeah. more than that, those frames are telling a story and they're communicating things just by how the camera is positioned and the lens that he's using and the, you know, the way that he's framing it. All of that is, is, um, is, is contributing to the storytelling. And and that's, I think even a lot of times people will watch stuff and not even know that it's doing that to them, but it is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you, you hit the nail on the head and I was going to say pretty much the same thing with, uh, with the with the pause, like I thought, I had this thought tonight. I was like, if you close your eyes and f- press the fast forward button on when the movie starts, and just hit pause randomly, and then open your eyes, like any time you stop, is going to be something that could be a photograph that you'd be happy to hang on your wall. It's it's it, like everything is so is so well composed and so striking every shot is just really like a gut punch and I really don't know how I was so disconnected from the visuals of it on first viewing I wasn't I wasn't drinking or anything like that I didn't I wasn't checked in I don't
0: know if I would beat yourself up that way because I think. Even for me, someone that's focused on that stuff, a lot of times on first viewing, it's hard to let that fully wash over you. And quite honestly, like most of my appreciation of the visual aspects of this movie has come in reflection and has come from like watching clips back and stuff like that. So I wouldn't beat yourself up about that because I don't think I think that's natural
1: and 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 it's not not even for just subtitled movies either. That's true. It, it's, it's more of, 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 of surprise in a way. It's not so much like I'm embarrassed, but I'm just like, I'm shocked at how, how different my sure. reactions were. And the last time I had something close to this is recently I watched Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And I know that you've seen this movie as well. And the first time I saw it, I was drinking wine and I was like working my way through it. If anyone hasn't seen it, by the way, it's a Park Chan-wook movie. Uh, his second major release. It's a revenge thriller. It's fantastic. But first time I saw it, I was like, this movie's just confusing. It's trying to be confusing. I don't like it. And then the second time I watched it, I was like enamored with it. So this, and this was not quite that experience, but it's in that league of having very different reactions on first and second time. Yep. So even though I was struck with the visuals of it on the, the speed rewatch, like the fast forwarding through it, and I gained a lot more respect for the movie. And I'm glad, I'm super glad I did that because I would have just been trashing it tonight. Uh, I, still, I still have to recognize my initial reaction. And it was valid. I yeah. did think it was slow. I did think a lot of the dialogue and the performances showed their age. Um, and I did have some issues with it. So it was not one of those movies that seemed timeless to me. And I actually, I did not find the final action sequence is very exciting um i i I never found myself like on the edge of my seat you know
0: well i okay i i think i think there's an important thing we need to kind of address which is that obviously no movie from this era is going to pack the um the type of of what I'm trying to say is modern action movies are the culmination of years of development of techniques for how to generate excitement and endorphin rushes. And like, Mm. it's such a refined process at this point that trying to compare action filmmaking of this level from 1954 to today is, is really not a fair comparison. Yeah. I, I think, I think you have to go into this movie understanding that it's not going to pack those kind of punches for you. You kind of have to approach this movie as like a little bit of like a, again, like a, like a film history kind of viewing kind of thing, because if you view this movie as I'm educating myself on film history, you can watch it for things like it's really interesting how he's, Filming these battle sequences uh, in in this way, like where like I don't know, like like he's doing so much in frame with rain and the elements, and like like it's it's a technical marvel that he pulled this off in 1954, and that's underappreciated given that now our standards are set by CGI and, you know, mm. like, like hundreds of millions of dollars productions. Like, and you know, this is like costs, like yeah. nothing compared to a modern transformers or some
1: shit. Right. So, well, I don't know. I mean, and I, and I'm trying not to compare it to modern stuff either. Like I'm, I'm recognizing that the time that it but was I'm saying made. even American productions from this era, yeah yeah that i mean that might be so but i was thinking of like my reaction to and we've talked about it before in the past but the original king kong like i found that movie super exciting even though it's like it old techniques and everything but i was uh, like especially the log roll scene and things like that i was literally on the edge of my seat and i was shocked it's like this is this was 2021 i was watching it and i was like this movie is exciting as hell and I'm on the edge of my seat and I, I didn't really have that reaction with this one um, and I and I and I understand what you're saying too and I do I do like that we do want to kind of see these movies and recognize how big their impact was and see and it's see important what, to watch them within a context I guess is for sure I'm saying. yeah yeah but that's but, but yeah, it just it was interesting it was just a super interesting viewing and now I'm thinking I mean, before we really started rolling, we were talking about True Grit. I wonder if this is going to be a movie like that for me. If I see this movie again in 10 years, and my thought is, I remember thinking it was parts of it were cool, but I thought it was boring. Like maybe in 10 years, I'll be like, what the hell was I thinking? That this movie's just great. But I do, I do think it's, it would be disingenuous to not mention that I did think it was I, was. I was really checking my watch a lot, and I was looking forward to it to be over in the first viewing.
0: I think I think one way to maybe reframe watching that epic action sequence at the end is to talk about um, Kurosawa as a filmmaker and specifically I want to, I want to quote Sidney Lumet here who called Kurosawa. It was, Lumet. it was a Lumet quote. He's he called him the Beethoven of filmmakers, which wow. is a perfect way of describing this because I think when you watch Kurosawa's f- films, the two that I've seen anyway, um but the way that Lumet describes it most of them um it's about just like I mean Beethoven was the most, you know, as as a composer, like it's just like bah, like this b- bombastic just like everything being thrown at the wall just like, you know, and and this movie is that where they You know, in a frame, you've got a dozen horses and 50 men running around with spears, and there's rain, you know, falling, and he's shooting it from a wide, you know, telephoto lens, like bringing the mountain into focus behind him. And it's just this massive, you know, large scale thing for at least for the time, you know, it's not, you know, Helms Deep or something, which we'll get to, I think, the comparison there. (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's just the most, it's just everything like, like, and like, the drama is so you know heightened and like the, the characters are this theatrical, you know, you talk about kind of like dated uh, acting. I, I think what you're, you're reading as dated acting is really Kurosawa's theatricality. And these characters are, they're big on purpose. Um, yeah. you know, you know, uh, Toshiro Mufune who I, I will also get into because he's really important to talk about his character. Kikuchio, is is this animalistic like like almost like gorilla man just like you know hunched over and like swinging his arms and flailing his legs and he's just he's an animal and, yeah, and moves, like
1: you know who he moves like have you ever seen liam gallagher walk from oasis <laughs> he fucking walks no like that. i need to yeah, watch this that's awesome you, you, i have to send a picture of like liam gallagher walking it's I, let, you know, let's just do a little send pause it in the chat just, i need to want yeah, see this. yeah i'm gonna I'm i gonna didn't see, realize that yeah hold on uh before we dive back into it let's no no this, this might
0: even make it into the cut we'll Liam see gallagher walk i okay. want to see this um for those who don't know jared it. is a massive oasis fan
1: well actually i should say I well used at least to you be... were
0: when we when
1: we first met <laughs> i found it Okay. This is, this is a, this is a somewhat tame version, but it's a nice little 10 second video. I'm going to send it to you. Okay. And and just to say, I, when I was in college, like sophomore year of college, I got, I really got into Oasis and I, I fell in love with them for that time. I still find them charming and solid, but they're, they're by no means of my favorites or anything like that. (laughs) yeah it's got that energy yeah it's that kind of that kind of like swagged slunk arms swinging all over the place um but yeah yeah yeah, it's this a funny funny little thing but But. i but
0: you know the point i'm trying to make is that they're they're operating in this operatic way um Mm -hmm. it's it's heightened emotions and and you know and and that's I think I'll be interested to hear when you watch Yojimbo because Yojimbo does have elements of this too. I mean, this is really by, I I heard somebody in one of the, I I watched a bunch of like video essays and stuff on YouTube on this. So I apologize if I'm cribbing anything from, from anyone there, I'll try to link to a few of these in the in the uh, description because I think there's a lot of really great ones. But, um, I heard someone describe, uh, that as being kind of consistent with most of Kurosawa's filmography.
1: Really? Yeah, because I was thinking like, it was kind of some of it, some of it was, was vaudevillian in a way. And that's sure. not necessarily a bad thing, but it was kind of like big and hammy. And like you said, operatic is How a about that
0: villager. That's just constantly like has that frowny face yeah. where he's he has like, that, he has that, that worried, mouth like wide eyed, you know, yeah,
1: catching flies, always afraid. And some of the villagers, the way they just wail and wail. And, and you know, the, the main character or not the main character, but <laughs> uh, who we're talking about the kind of animalistic guy, um, he always he's always bitch what sorry kikuchio kikuchio he's always he's always bitching about how whiny the farmers are you know and it, and as audience members i'm like kind of with him a lot of times a lot of times he's being way over the top but, I'm but like, yeah all- they are fucking annoying
0: but this is <laughs> this is what i think you're gonna pick up on, on on the second watch is like this movie is a movie full of complexities like the the yeah. morals of this movie are are really like complex and, and interesting where you've got these villagers who, you know, are, are clearly in a position where they're, you know, subjugated and they're at risk from these bandits. Um, they don't have anything to protect them. So they have to resort to these, you know, tactics of, of, you know, picking off stragglers and like, uh, you know, that that's their existence. And then the samurai's perspective is like, they're getting picked off by these shitty little villagers you know, when they are like running from a fight and they're like the, the losing party. Um, and you know, it's, it's the, the, the morality of it is like these guys, these samurai are clearly doing a good deed by protecting this village free of charge, basically, but they've also been guilty of some, some horrors as well. I mean, these villagers are are terrified of them raping their women, for instance. So yeah. like, you know, like that's not like, it, it's not a black and white, just like good guys and bad guys. It's like these people are having to make a tough decision that, is directly confronting their moral standing and the villagers are enlisting the help of these samurai who have raped their women, you know, like, like that's, it, it, it's not, it, it, you know, for a movie of its time, it's, it's operating on a really just uh, a level that is, is, you know, timeless and, and relatable in any context.
1: Yeah. It's like, um, you know, it's like a demon that you need or something like, you know, it's just like, right. uh, there's a, there's a term that I can't the think of. The devil, you is, know, is better e- than the devil. You don't. Yeah. They have to enlist this thing that is that, that, uh, they hate and has driven them to despair to help defend against the very thing, you know, or, or a very similar thing, at least. I think that could springboard really nicely into talking about Kaikucho and that, that performance specifically because you I know you wanted to touch about it and I I wanted to just mention that there was one scene where the acting in this movie blew me away most of it I thought was just okay to not very good and I bet you know the scene I'm going to say yep and that is when Kaikucho has collected the gear from the farmers and brings it back and he he just goes on this rant That scene is incredible from an acting perspective. He delivers an amazing emotional monologue. Yep. Timeless. Knocked it out of the park by any standard. Modern, old school, whatever you want to say, that was an amazing piece of acting by any measure.
0: Absolutely. So the actor's name is Toshiro Mifune and... Uh, if you're listening to this and you don't know who Toshiro Mifune is, he is a legend of the screen in Japan. He made the crossover to Hollywood for a couple of movies, but he was always dubbed because, um, and, and I read that this was like one of the greatest shames of his life that he never uh, perfected the English language. Um, so he always, he could he could speak like phonetically, but he, he couldn't like actually speak the language. Um, it's a bummer because he has
1: a great voice I know I would love to hear speaking and that's a huge part of
0: like him as an actor you know is like that that just like gravelly like lion's roar of a voice yeah um but anyway he uh the scene, I mean, I'm so glad you brought up the scene uh, that you did and it was the perfect segue. You're exactly right, because that's the complexity of the, the morals of this movie that I'm talking about, where mm-hmm. Kikuchio is uh, not a samurai. He would like to be a samurai, but he grew up a, f- a peasant farmer and he hates the peasant farmers at the same time that he wants to preserve their way of life. It's this this. Beautiful dichotomy within this character where he just like he, you know, he simultaneously has so much ire and disdain for where he came from, but it's still where he came from. Um, and they're people at the end of the day and he, and he realizes that because that's part of him.
1: And that's one of the many things in the movie that we could all relate to, to a degree. Like, uh, I had a very healthy upbringing for the most part, but everybody has, some parts of their upbringing that is baggage difficult, you know. and uh, it's just it just taps into that that performance of like he, he is he is so ashamed of of where he came from but like you're saying, he also, does want to defend it and he defends it in conversation because the way it start that 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 whole tirade really begins he's really ripping the farmers and it's it sounds like for a second I'm like is this movie about to take a turn is he about to defect to the robbers or something because he's like so vehement in his in his shredding of the farmers but then he adds that other layer to it of how they were driven to it by samurai action and how it's 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 the it was the oppression that has turned them into such um, kind of despicable not despicable but you know self-loathing problematic type of people cast of people sure and and that that's when that scene really blossomed for me into something really special yeah. and also as we continue to talk about this actor I do want to shout out the reaction shot the reverse after the speech is done that that is a great performance by all those people every just guy just that plays the solemn, samurai is great yeah the way they're just sitting there and ingesting it and recognizing what he's saying and agreeing with it silently um is really powerful i thought too and no, so that's when they all delivered as well
0: it absolutely is but you know to talk about Toshirô mifune himself as an actor i mean you guys you got to understand that this guy he's like at the time, like he's like, if you cross like Paul Newman with Marlon Brando, like, you know, all the swagger of a movie star, but the acting ability of just an auteur, you know, Mm -hmm. um, like he, he just, he was just this guy. He was like, he's in a lot of Kurosawa movies. His big breakout with Kurosawa, I believe was Rashomon. I could have that wrong, but Rashomon in 1950, which is still a movie that is referenced for the way that it basically invented a genre of movies, which is like where you see, a single event from multiple perspectives throughout the movie yeah. um that you that's know cool. that's referred to as rashomon style
1: that okay so that's yeah because i've heard that a lot yeah so that rashomon was one of the first movies that did that kind of like a russian doll of like yes an, an, an russian action.
0: nesting doll exactly yeah. like yeah you learn more as you see more perspectives of this of this mm. one event yeah yeah um anyway I, I, I'm blanking on like a good example of a modern one
1: do you can you think oh of yeah no you just we were talking earlier about uh, the last duel that's oh, a bit of a of perfect a example yeah from yeah. from last year yeah exactly yeah, um, yeah
0: the last duel you you I, I think that movie for didn't strike me as one that you like get like major revelations from each perspective but it yeah. is a it is the same same sort of storytelling you're exactly right yeah uh, but anyway that was i i believe the movie that broke out uh kind of him as a movie star and then this obviously came 4 years after that uh but he's the star of Yujimbo and usually like on screen he's much more of like a like a like he he does have some like swagger to him always uh but he is like at least in Yujimbo he plays a much more like stoic figure uh in that which i think would be interesting for you to see uh, in contrast yeah. to this
1: yeah cuz I did I did, even though I found some some components of of his performance to be a little over the top that one scene sold me on him and I'm, I I want to see more from him and it's great to hear that he had such a, a fantastic and impactful career cuz I will be looking for more and and also you know how much I love a good face and that is he's a facha he's got a facha Like uh, the angles on his face are fascinating. He's got like that, that, that beefy damn near unibrow, if not full blown. (laughs) And it's all just fascinating. His face is very interesting to look at.
0: He's a guy that inspired a million actors after him. Um, I mean, just to get into some Toshiro Mifune trivia, I mean, the first bit is you should understand is like Clint Eastwood basically like stole his entire vibe from Yojimbo for the man with no name in, in uh, the Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns. Mm. Um, so, you know, we're talking about uh, fistful of dollars, few dollars more and the good, the bad and the ugly. Um, that character is like directly ripped from Yojimbo. Wow. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I gotta, that's, see, I gotta see that. That's one bit. Uh, I, I did want to bring this quote in because this description from Toshiro Mifune Wikipedia is fantastic. This is like Kurosawa talking about basically discovering, uh, uh Mifune. So basically, uh, Toho, uh, films, Uh, Which is the production company that was like, they made the Godzilla movies and and this and all Kurosawa
1: early stuff. Yeah, Um, still very much alive these days. You know, they made Shin Godzilla, I want to say in 2018, just uh, fairly recently. And I'm sure they've got a ton of other projects too, but very active these days still.
0: Definitely. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they had a rift in their production company in the late forties and uh, a section of it split off and took a bunch of the actors. Um, and they formed Shin Toho actually. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so Toho was looking for a bunch of new actors and Toshirō Mifune, I guess, like, I don't remember the context of why he auditioned, but, um, Kurosawa, who who was involved with Toho at the time, uh, watched like his audition. And he said, th- th- I'm just going to read the bit from Wikipedia. It says Kurosawa later wrote that he entered the audition to see quote, a young man reeling around the room in a violent frenzy. It was frightening as it was as watching a wounded beast trying to break loose. I was transfixed end quote. When Mifune exhausted, finished the, his scene, he sat down and gave the judges an ominous stare. He lost the competition, but Kurosawa was impressed. He, "Quote: I am a rarely, i am a person rarely impressed by actors," he later said. But in the case of Mifune, I was completely overwhelmed.
1: <laughs> oh man!
0: It was super. I, I just love that. Like he came in and he's just thrashing around this room like a fucking
1: wild man, dude. I just love hearing when directors tell the story of when they click with an actor and, and you just get so much insight into how cool that moment must be. Yeah. Like remember we, we were talking about uh, Park Chan-wook earlier and who's that actor he loves to work with. You're a huge fan of his. Song Um, Kang-ho. Song Kang-ho. And how we heard Park Chan-wook say that he gives two different performances out of each of his eyes. Yeah. And it's just like, you hear these things that are just like mind blowing. It's like, Oh, it's so, it's so amazing that these people find each other and thank God for us, you know, as, as just fans of art, it's so great when these, these combos happen, you know? Totally.
0: Yeah. So you, I mean, people out there, if you want a comparison to like a Western version of this, this is basically like a Scorsese De Niro collaboration.
1: Right. Yeah. PTA Phil Hoffman. Exactly. Sort of what did you think of his sort of his, a lot of his crazed behavior of like the moments in which he would find excitement. Like he at the funeral of the person who, who dies when they're going to kill those like three bandits. And we mentioned earlier, that whole wife situation happens with one of the farmers and there's like a bit of friendly fire. I also don't know how I feel about that death specifically, but we can circle back to that. But the, at that funeral is when the, 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 robbers first appear, the bandits coming over the hill and, and, and Mifune's reaction to that is like gleeful Mm. and he's like excited. And he has all these strange moments of, of happiness that are so out of place. You know And I I, mean? That in a, as it's the character, I don't mean that that's a mistake in the film. I'm just saying, no, it's very
0: intentional. I mean, it's, it's like the, from what I read, when kurosawa first wrote the script that character was not in there and mifune was actually auditioning for a different character when when he first or not auditioning but was was being written in as a different character at the time what kurosawa said was that the the makeup of the samurai group that he had created there, it was too stoic. There, there wasn't enough levity to it. It needed some spice and something to kind of offset the, the you know, just the, the very like buttoned up samurai. And, yeah. and Mifune was the perfect actor to put in like that kind of role. So he was like, oh, this is obvious. I'm just going to write in a character like this. Um, and that's kind of the fruition or, or the, the, the way that this character came into, into being.
1: Mm.
0: It actually was originally going to be the sixth samurai, not the seventh.
1: Oh wow! Huh. It's one of those like catch twenty two situations. It's like how different would the name be? You know, would it have mattered if it was six samurai instead of seven? Like we've we've grown up knowing the name to a degree. Seven samurai to me sounds better. I don't know. Maybe six samurai. would I think
0: it too. rolls off the tongue in
1: English better, but who knows in Japanese, That's right? That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, do you want to to dive into talking about? kind of the the legacy of this movie a little bit, kind of the influential kind of impact, you know. We've talked about kind of our reactions to it, and we, we briefly mentioned how Kurosawa is often thrown up on Mount Rushmore. But uh, we haven't really talked about where we as just fans of movies can see his fingerprints on movies that we love that are similar to this. Do you want to dive into there now?
0: Well, I think that's a perfect time for me to just kind of get the Spielberg thing out of the way in terms of, yeah, I, you know... I think the biggest influence I saw as someone who really appreciates camera technique and, and that loves like the way that filmmakers tell a story visually Mm -hmm. Spielberg. We, and and we talked about it a little bit in the ET episode, which I haven't edited yet. So I don't remember like how much we get into it, but the Spielberg one quote unquote is like a famous shot technique where people describe it as uh, you know you have a moving camera that kind of ch- shifts focus between close ups wide shots and uh uh kind of reaction stuff all within a single camera take where the camera's moving within a uh, you know a room with a, a set of characters right um, mm-hmm. not necessarily in a room it can be outside i don't know why i made that specific but point being it's a moving camera that never cuts, but it's telling you an entire scene within that single cut. That's clearly pulled from a lot of what Kurosawa is doing in this movie. And then throughout his filmography, where there's movement in every frame, there's the, the, you know, a lot of the dialogue sequences. I am thinking specifically of stuff where they're consulting with the old man, the elder, Me of, too. the elder of yes. the, the tribe or the, the village. Um, those scenes they do so much stuff where it'll start in one corner of the room pull back between two characters yes other people will slide into frame and then you get a whole new perspective on the scene and dialogue all happens within the same take the camera might move and give you a close-up of something else at some point but it's always telling a single story within a single shot and that's like that sort of technique like is very subtle. It's not something that you always register going back to what you were saying as far as like not reacting to the visuals necessarily on first blush. I think that's totally fair because like these kind of techniques are intended to be subtle. They're telling you a story visually without you knowing it. Um, And it's so much more effective than cross cutting between five different points of coverage and just like pulling the can, like that's not normal. Like you don't feel like you're in that frame with those characters when you're cutting across like that when you do it all in one take you are the camera operator you are in that room with the people
1: yeah oh man i love what you said about it it's a subtle thing like you don't necessarily notice it but i think i i think i know the exact shot you're talking about it starts on almost not like a close up but like the only person in the frame is takashi shimura who plays kanbei kind of like the bald Leader of the of the group of samurai, and it's in the old man's house, and it pulls out the shot, pulls out, and two people eventually enter the frame on different sides of the frame, and the old man is in the foreground, there's someone in the middle, and where we started the shot is now the background of the shot, and I was watching that and I was like, that's just a great, great fucking shot. It just looks amazing. It's it's balanced, it's elegant, it's beautiful. Same thing when we were talking about the performance of like, that's a great performance by any stretch by outside of the realms of time. There were a lot of shots like that in this movie. Where I was like, that's just an amazing shot.
0: But I mean, they do yeah. it in like outdoor settings too, where like a character will, like you'll start with a wide shot of like 10 people walking down a street and then someone will, like, will react to something and run up close to camera and it'll be suddenly be a close-up with the characters yeah. in the background. And like that technique is is like, it's giving you multiple perspectives without ever confusing your eye by cutting across things.
1: Yeah, and think of that shot too. It's not necessarily like a Spielberg one or in that vein, but just another shot that stuck out to me me in the movie. The circle shot around the spears. There's one scene where they're just kind of gathered and talking strategy or I can't remember exactly what. And the camera's just circling the group around the outskirts and the spears are standing up. And the camera does like at least like one or two passes around the circle. And there's no there's no dolly track that can be seen. I think it's just like a handheld and there's some there's a decent amount of shake in the camera. I think it might be straight up like a handheld shot. It's crazy. But it's a really it's a really like impressive movement y shot. It's just totally. like there's just a lot going on there. It's really cool.
0: Yeah. So I mean I think that technique is is really cool. And I and I love the economy of that storytelling there. But I think, you know, expanding out from that in terms of the economy of storytelling i think we need to talk about just you know and this is something i think we've we've made reference to in past episodes but spatial geography especially when it comes to action sequences mm-hmm. is is so it's again going to a thing that's very subtle that people don't always pick up on but that like tells a story subconsciously this movie does an amazing job of giving you establishing shots from like up on hills and like of like different like entryways into the village and the geography of how the village is laid out you even have like a map at one point that he's pointing out the different areas and they're like kurosawa's cross-cutting from the map to that place that they're referencing so that you then like pair that with the map um mm-hmm. that sort of technique of like subtly informing your brain so that when the action starts happening you know where everyone is at all times um that that stuff is is the subtle stuff that we don't pick up on but that movies that have pulled from this like the two towers that you've referenced like that helms deep sequence is All brilliant spatial geography with the perfect amount of wide to to close up shots where you know where you are, are at all times, but you still feel the immediacy of the battle. That's incredible technique. And Kurosawa was one of the pioneers of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes it makes so much sense to like any of those big battle scenes. I remember in the two towers special features. Peter Jackson was talking about a movie that I had seen when I was in high school called, I want to say Zulu Dawn. Zulu. And it's just, it's just, just, oh, it's just, just Zulu, Zulu. Yeah. And I, I, I worked at a cafe back in high school and, and one of our, an, an older per- person came in and we would always talk about movies and he recommended it to me. Let me borrow the DVD and I watched it. It was pretty good, but it was definitely one of these to use like a Western term, like Alamo last defense type movies and I and now that I've seen Seven Samurai, which came out before significantly before Zulu, um, it's like oh man, they're all borrowing from a lot of the groundwork that Kurosawa laid in Seven Samurai. It's like the idea of this is what we're defending, and then kind of in a very clean way, letting you know where everything is right. and, and the weaknesses. Like we need to shore that up. We got to deal with that. Yeah, and and it's it's cool to see kind of the place that all got started. In well, but I,
0: I mean, layering onto what you're saying there, I think it's also about uh, diversity of the action, right? So each, yeah. each segment of this battle has a completely different feel to it and vibe, and they're doing different things. And, you know, it's like, you know, going back to Helm's deep, you know, from the two towers, you've got, you know, it's the ladders and then it's the, they've broken through the, with the bomb and they're, they're fighting in the well. And you know, then it's like rushing out with the, the cavalry charge. And like, you've got all these different elements happening and it's not just like force against force fighting. And then, Oh, we won, we killed all of them. You know, like it's, it's there, there's an escalation to it. Um, and, and this movie does that too, where it's like, you've got, you've got, you know, the initial, fight where they go pick off a couple of guys from their camp and then they are letting like one guy in at a time and they're fighting like them and then by the end they let all of the rest of the guys in and it's a complete battle where the rain is pouring the mud's flying and you know that that escalation of it is like that's textbook and and all of the these movies since then i mean Star Wars, you know, like is a huge movie that pulled from this, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, all that, like, like especially return of the Jedi, like this stuff is like, it's all kind of pulling from this.
1: Yeah. And I was also thinking too, of, of empire strikes back, just the stuff on Hoth. I mean, it's not, it's at the beginning of the movie, but like, you know, it's a defense sort of type of scenario. And, um, yeah, yeah. I was just, Oh, also it's kind of like you're saying the escalation and just the ebbs and flows, and there's peaks and valleys. It's not full blow, full bore. There's there there are these really nice lulls in it too. Sure, you um, get
0: quiet moments, like character moments.
1: Yeah, and then the rain, like it's not raining for the whole thing. It's just la- raining for the last battle. But which some makes of it's it so much at more night, impactful. and some
0: of it's during the day. There's always like yeah. it's just there's the diversity to the action.
1: Yeah, and even even though I'm agreeing with all these things that you're saying and like echoing a lot of them, I still find myself just kind of having a, a bit of a math reaction. And I think, to and it I think that's really
0: fair. I like, I yeah. like, look, like, I, I don't think everything has to work for everyone. And, yeah. and I think so, for some people, and, and I think it can be movie by movie, you know, the h- historical context can take you so far, but like if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you.
1: It also can be viewing by viewing too. Like I said earlier, like maybe if I see this movie again in seven years, I'll completely disagree with what I'm saying. You know, uh, I might be like, no, this is great. I just was just not really dialed in to that vibe at the time. Um, Well, do you feel like you're
0: glad that you watched it?
1: Yes, for sure. I mean, I—I I had it was a movie I had to see as a movie fan, and it was not a waste of time. Um, but I did it did feel like work the first viewing. But again, the second the second viewing has given me doubt of that first viewing opinion. Where I was really noticing the visuals, and I was like, oh man, this movie on second viewing. When I would stop and, and play the scenes for a while before I would continue on fast forwarding, I found myself in like a bit of a trance. And I was kind of getting a little more sucked into the rhythm of the movie. Something about first viewing for me, I was really resistant to it.
0: Well, you, you've you built in expectations there.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure. But something about, I was very, it was a little more like, seductive isn't quite the right word. But it was. I was really kind of starting to get drawn into its energy. A bit more. And I was, I was reacting to it better. So I think it's interesting. I
0: mean, I think, yeah. I think anytime you have a movie of this one stature, you kind of come into it with a, t- like we've talked about it in the past baggage, you know, you're, yeah. you're coming in with all that historical baggage and you're like, like, if I don't like this movie, am I crazy? And you're like fighting it yeah. for a little bit. And if anything, that's like, I feel like it's almost like pulling us out of the moment a little bit. And it takes a yeah. little bit of just like trying to separate from from that feeling uh, to To really let yourself get swept up i mean i mean but that's not just to to you know devalue your opinion here because i think that's incredibly valid and and look i support you because look at the end of the day i think our podcast is meant to be one not necessarily for like film buffs it's one for people that are trying to explore this stuff with us and i think that's a very valid reaction for a lot of the people that are probably listening to this right now
1: yeah like i like. Yeah, we haven't approached wrap-up yet, so I could save it. But I, I don't think I'll be pitching this movie to the average movie fan.
0: No. Well, here's... I mean, since we're talking about this, I have a question. How do you feel about watching jimbo now after this?
1: Um, well, I'll tell you this. I, I feel... I don't feel nervous about watching *Yojimbo*. I I'm, I'm intrigued, but I'm very interested in seeing how Kurosawa works with color, because when well, I it's got in black and white, no, I know that's why I'm saying oh, I'm, I'm oh, interested oh, sorry, in *Yojimbo*. Sorry. But I'm very intrigued by seeing a color film of his, because when when I started to pick up on how beautiful his shots were, I was thinking like, oh, I wonder when we add color to this concoction. Like, how are his shots going to look then when he can play with that as well? So I'm very, very interested in seeing Kurosawa sounds, with color. It
0: sounds to me like the movie for you is Ron, uh, R-A-N, which is uh, his movie from, I believe, early 80s, I want to say. Uh, it's later period Kurosawa, but it's also a samurai film, but on an epic scale. Uh, and every every image I've seen from that movie looks like the most gorgeous movie ever filmed.
1: Really? And like, yeah, I'm, I I'm like,
0: that. part of me is like, <laughs> it's, it looks so beautiful that I'm like desperate to find a movie theater playing it because I feel like I, th- that's how I want my first Ooh. experience to be. But I don't know if I'm ever going to pull that off. So I might just pick up the criterion 4k and just watch it that way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think this is one I'm going to have to watch on my own time run. Um, I look
0: like, I think one other thing in terms of just like talking about a second viewing of this movie, I think contextually try to think about like how this movie is talking about consequences of violence and the way that it's framing. Think about how like the kills in this movie happen, right? Yeah. Like I watched one video essay on YouTube and I'll, I'll link to it in the comments, but, um, the, the guy was talking about how modern action filmmaking really fetishizes the 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 moves of the hero, right? Yeah. Where they're they're the center of the frame. This movie doesn't do that. This movie, a lot of times, will show the the hero stabbing or something at this this character, and then cut to like even sometimes like a slow mo image of this other person getting cut down. Yeah. And like. I think number one, it's really interesting his use of slow mo and the way that it doesn't emphasize like moves of the hero. It doesn't like emphasize cool shit. It
1: emphasizes people dying and like yeah, people it's game. not Neo. It's it's right. like you did slow mo on Smith or something as opposed to Neo. It's like the, the villain of the scene or right. the or not even necessarily the villain, but the person who's getting killed is the one that the slow motion happens for. Is that you're right? That's uncommon.
0: Yeah, and 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 I think like you also see it in the, the epic battle at the end where people are like slicing at the bad guys and you don't really see like the blade connecting. You see the guy falling off the horse. You see someone yeah. hitting the dirt and, and get, and just like smacking into the earth and, and just oh, yeah. kind someone of someone getting skewered nothing, on a fence, you know? And, and yeah, you see that like the
1: dehumanization of it. The mud plays a huge role in that too, especially on the rainy, uh, the, the night, uh, or the following day, the rainstorm, Yeah, then people falling and dying. It's like, it's like almost like world war one stuff, you know, it's like in, people dying in the muck totally. sort of thing.
0: And it's like the, it's the, like the least dignified way to go out.
1: Yeah. Compare it to a movie like the last samurai, you know, which is, um, I don't think a terrible movie. It's fine. It's a fun movie. When it came out, when it came out, I loved it. But that's totally a type of movie that glorifies um, warfare to some degree and resistance. And this this movie is just doing something different. It's not. It's not really uh, idolizing. I mean, it is. It is idolizing chivalry to some degree, but it's not idolizing uh, violence at all
0: no probably. but i mean it's not even like a, a a pleasant look at samurai i mean it's it's yeah. showing the the good and the dark side of of that culture yeah. so i i think it's a i think it's a movie that that has much more depth than maybe just you know it's not just like we're going to kill the bad guys cool okay we form a group okay we go kill the bad guys like it's not that it, it's a lot it's got a lot more on its mind than 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 that
1: yeah yeah i mean i i hope it grows on me and as i like the fast forwarding version it did but uh it only time will tell i i hope that i grow to like it more but, if but it doesn't, i have to who be cares? honest you know
0: it's yeah. it's your opinion you're allowed yeah, to have sure. it sure
1: it's just um
0: yeah it's we, we support all hot takes on this podcast it's <laughs> true
1: yeah yeah i also wanted to give a shout out to some of the editing in the movie too yeah there were were some edits that i absolutely loved but there was one that i was one thing that kind of went through the movie and i mean i don't know if it was just from the time or whatever but i wasn't a huge fan of the wipes they had a lot of wipe transitions between scenes star wars baby i know star wars do you think that was an homage to are you kidding me (laughs)
0: dude star wars is one big kurosawa homage r2d2 and c3po are directly ripped from hidden fortress
1: oh i'm very intrigued about hidden fortress um but um yeah i don't know i i i a lot of times they felt out of place to me. When I would see a wipe, it felt kind of jarring. A couple of times, like the scene before it ended abruptly, I loved and where it. we entered the following scene didn't really cl- seem clean to me. That's um, fair. That happened about three to five times. Where I was like, that ah, was not a good wipe. But there were other edits that I thought were fantastic. And and you were talking earlier about something along the lines of well, something akin to a lack of confusion in these big action scenes. Like the, the editing plays a monumental role in that too. And he, I think he is so good at choosing in this movie anyway, from what I saw where and when to make his cuts, like even just simple things like, like when Mifune is having that big meltdown and he's, you know, ripping in about the farmers and stuff and he throws the arrows and it just cuts to the arrows, like flying into the wall. Like the timing of that cut and choosing to show that is great. I don't know. There's something, there's some effect to it. Well, and then he throws, before that he throws the armor mm-hmm. off and the armor, it cuts to the shot of the armor landing in this kind of puddle in the back of the, or some stream that runs through the building or something. But the timing of the cut, and this is probably just editing 101, but it really struck me in this movie. It's like when they choose to cut it, cut to that shot, is like exactly how long the throw of the armor would take. Hmm. And obviously those are completely different setups. So when you choose to cut to You're that. You're
0: saying the clarity of the cut, like the, the match on action.
1: the the rhythm Exactly. The rhythm of the cut. And when they, like, you literally, we see him throw the armor and there's like a half second or so, hmm. and then it cuts to the landing shot. And in my mind, it's like, that's the exact duration that that toss would have taken. And it's like little things like that are really fucking cool and are really important and really subtle. So you remember that the character, Cuso, he's like the... The master swordsman. Yeah, the master swordsman. He's the very stoic guy. Um, there's a scene, I think the night before the, the final battle, where he runs off into the night to retrieve a musket. And so he, he runs off and the shot... Stays with him running into the night and there's the string of fires, the campfires that have been set up. Yep. And then there is a wipe. We know that I wasn't super into the wipes. But the, the, the a passage the shot of time, it, Jared. The shot it transitions to is those fires being kindled. And it's now, like, like the fires have burned down and it's now morning, but they're all like in the same place in the shot. Yep. Just a great, great, simple, very smart idea. Yeah, um, I don't want to say simple because that's like it, that's a that's a tough idea to come up with. But it's like oh, what a great way to show that it's now morning. Yeah, clean. And I mean, so movies have so many movies have done that. Whether and the the night of the shot of the fire, and then they cut to a close up and the fire is smoldering now. Like we've seen that. But the way it was framed in the shot and kind of structured down the line, and there, the fires are in the same positions are very similar was just like, ah, oh, that's just a great, that's a great edit. And that's just a great shot.
0: I feel like I've seen that in like Westerns before. I wonder yes. if he pulled it from like a Western that he saw or something. Cause he loved, yeah. he loved that shit.
1: Um, Did Westerners ever. Cause I know that there's a lot of these sort of Japanese movies that have kind of John Ford and other sort of Western influences on them. And by the, by Western, I mean the
0: genre. Well, Hollywood was exporting out of the U S yeah. like for a while before this.
1: We as Westerners, did they ever call like the Japanese Western, like an Eastern? Cause that would have been kind of a fun name for it. I think
0: Yeah, sounds like a uh, Quentin Tarantino's take on Django, which he calls it a Southern, a Southern. <laughs> that's cool. That was actually the working title of that movie,
1: a Southern or just Southern.
0: Yeah. He did like, I think the title on the, the original script of Django was a Southern.
1: Oh, that's, that's, that's a, yeah, that's cool.
0: The one other thing I wanted to bring up uh, was the remake of this. I don't even know if you knew that there was a remake.
1: Can I guess? I think I saw what it was. What was it? Well, there's, I guess there's been several. Well, there's two. (laughs) Okay. I was thinking of the Magnificent Seven. Correct. Which I have never seen, by the way. Well,
0: look, I mean, one of our test records way back when was Once Upon a Time in the West, which you loved uh, Charles Bronson in that. And he is in the Magnificent Seven. God, I Uh, do love him he plays the Toshiro Mifune or no, he plays the, uh, the, the like master swordsman equivalent basically in that movie. Oh, cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. He's always,
0: he's often the quiet guy, the quiet stoic badass. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But, uh, no, I, I thought it was really interesting. I mean, like American, like, it's so funny that this movie is is so influenced by American Westerns and then American Westerns then remade this movie. It's like a double, you
1: know, reverse yeah. kind of it, influence. It's just a, it's a long line of hat tips <laughs> just 100%. coming all, all around the world. 100 <laughs> uh, yeah, percent. That's great. Game recognized game, as they say. Well, how 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 awesome must uh, Kurosawa have felt? Like you know, he he loves all these kind of Western influences. These Western movies. I wonder movies. what
0: his opinion of that movie is. Was it Sergio
1: Leone who directed it?
0: John no. Sturgis
1: directed it. I've heard that name.
0: Yep, John Sturgis also directed The Great Escape. He did. Oh, and and a movie that is currently on the board: Bad Day at Black Rock.
1: Okay. Okay. That's intriguing.
0: So there's all there. We're making like little, little nests here of, of this is intertwining great. Yeah, we're, stuff.
1: We're finding these cool little back roads that connect. This is awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I just, I, I love that there was a remake of
0: this movie like that. It's, it's pretty fun to me. Uh, I would yeah. like to watch it at some point. I'm not going to put it on the board because I think that would be bad form to put basically a, a remake of something we've already covered.
1: Yeah. Uh, but it is a movie that will be on my watch list. Yeah, maybe someday i think it'll be it'll be on my oh, yeah. watch list and i definitely would want to see it i love a good western
0: totally yeah, yeah what's not to like i think one last uh note to wrap us up here uh i think anyone that grew up in the 90s as both of us did um go back and watch a bug's life and tell me after watching seven samurai how much that movie is cribbing from Seven Samurai because it's basically a straight rip. Oh my
1: God, the grasshoppers are the robbers. Yeah, dude, you're right. I could see that. They're coming for the harvest.
0: Yeah. Go back you know and watch I mean? your kids' movies, guys. They're all pulling from this shit.
1: Yeah, Mount Rushmore. You know, Kurosawa is up there. Yep. That
0: was my favorite connection that I made while, while we were watching. That's that a fucking
1: great one, dude. You're so right. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's like, Jesus Christ, that's exactly, that's exactly right.
0: Yeah. Beat for beat almost. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that'll do it. I think on seven samurai, I think it's about time we roll right into selecting a new movie and throwing that dart. How about it?
1: Absolutely. Okay. I have one last question for you though. Oh, go for it. Do you want to try millet? <laughs> because <laughs> uh, apparently it's terrible. According to they didn't movie. really sell it very hard in this movie. Yeah. I, I just Googled it. Uh, it's a cereal grain. It looks fine. Uh, it's millet good for your health. Uh, I don't know. It's, I, I want to try fill it fill a once. poor
0: belly. I think that's probably yeah. what it's
1: for. Yeah. At one point they mentioned the Millet and they're like, you can't, you can't live on that. And it's just like, how bad is this shit? Like, yeah. Very curious. Yikes. But yeah, I'm ready to hear what the new nominee might be. Do you have contenders or do you have one that you're confident in?
0: I think I stumbled on one in this conversation that I didn't talk about during the conversation but that this movie kind of came to my head while while we were talking specifically when we were talking about movies that have gone over budget uh and just have been uh critical questionable quality but like just like epic scale auteur driven failures basically was what i was thinking about talking about that because this is like like Seven Samurai is the opposite. It's a you know they went way over budget and it's a masterpiece. I want to see kind of the other end of that spectrum, and the movie that I'm going to throw on here, tying also into the western angle, it's called Heaven's Gate. Have you heard of it, Jared? No, I have not heard of Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate is a movie that was directed by a guy named Michael Cimino, who is most famous for. Uh, directing the Deer Hunter, which mm. for a long time I considered to be one of the best movies I've ever seen. I, st- I I still think it's a great movie, but it's not in my like top ten like it used to be. But I loved this movie the first time I saw it. Classic Bob De Niro, you know, Chris Walken movie. But Heaven's Gate is his follow up to the Deer Hunter, where he basically got an unlimited budget to just do. Whatever the fuck he wanted uh, to the point where the studio just flipped the fuck out because it was just it, it got so crazy. It stars Chris Christofferson, Christopher Walken, John Hurt, Sam Waterston, uh, Isabelle Huppert. Uh It's got a you know stacked cast. It's a Western epic, uh, which I know you like to. So Hell yeah. I think it's a perfect addition.
1: Dude, that sounds that sounds great. I added it. To the list. I added it to the current board. There it is. Oh, that's exciting. That sounds cool, dude. I'm excited to hit it. Do you want to run through the numbers?
0: Yeah, let's do it. So on the board as it stands currently at number one we've got aaron brockovich at number two x machina number three newly added heaven's gate number four the big sleep number five in the mood for love number six the sixth sense number seven bad day at black rock number eight Alan Partridge, number nine, Days of Heaven, number ten, Bound, number eleven, Vertigo, number twelve, The Straight Story, number thirteen, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, number fourteen, The Exterminating Angel, still the fucking mystery of my life. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? What the fuck's that one again? Number fifteen, Barton Fink, number sixteen, Putney Swope, number seventeen, Mother, from 2009, Bong Joon Ho directed. Number eighteen, Killing of a Chinese Bookie, number nineteen, Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, number twenty, The Ballad of Cable Hogue. And as always, Bullseye is a friend's choice or maybe a
1: listener's choice. We introduce that as a possibility. Hell yeah, dude. All right, I'm going to go chuck this thing. I'll be right back. So has the dart spoken, Jared? The dart has spoken, Drew. What is this? And the fucking jared given dry streak continues Fuck. another odd number what is it seven
0: seven is a newly added movie we're still sticking in the oldies my friend we're going with bad day at black motherfucking rock
1: dude fascinating we mentioned it yeah we, we brought it that up this spot, in this right?
0: episode and it gets, gets hit that's great well this Sad. is um yeah i mean we're gonna we're gonna talk about it on the episode but this uh this was a choice uh, that I made just a couple of weeks ago.
1: Wow. I got to hit an even some, one of these days. One of these days, it's got to happen. Dude, that, it, it happens for a reason. You got to trust the dart. We're on a bit of an odd hot streak right now. The evens will have their day. I will have my day. Uh, you're but, fucking
0: better, man. I'm just like, I'm, you're, I'm running of, you're running out of, <laughs> you're
1: running out you're, of, you're tapping out, you're, you're running out of choices here.
0: We've, we've like run through my, my backup list. I gotta, I gotta compile some new ones over here. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I like the choice. Uh, I like it for us specifically cause it's uh, got some direct connotation or connections with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, our favorite filmmaker. So uh, excited I'm to excited. talk about that. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. If you want to keep in touch or if you have a bullseye selection you want to send our way, drop us a line at darkboardmovienight at gmail.com. If it's for the bullseye, make sure you use subject line bullseye confidential. Follow us on Instagram at darkboardmovienight. Artwork for the show is created by Veronica Roman, and all of our music is by Eric Williams. Play us out, Eric.